Welcome to Searching for the Question Live. This is our 11th day together uh, of live streaming as an experiment, but also uh, finding a lot of uh, people who are actually starting to form a community. Uh, and in order to uh, give a place for this community to, to meet and to discuss, uh, we created a Discord server. You are welcome to join on uh, uh, this uh, virtual space where you can chat, you can exchange opinions, you can even talk uh, because Discord, uh, having been born originally for gamers, supports uh, audio so that uh, the people whose hands are occupied uh, with the controllers could coordinate their, their action. Uh, the address is uh, uh, bit.ly David Orban dash discord. And it is displayed uh, uh, on the screen right now. Uh, today's episode of uh, um, searching for the question live is going to be uh, about a paradigm that uh, I created several years ago uh, starting from my experience with exponential technologies, because I wanted to ask myself, if we took those for granted, what would be the consequences? What kind of uh, community, what kind of society, what kind of planet would result uh, out of understanding deeply and taking for granted that there are phenomena whose acceleration creates astounding results year after year. And my uh, conclusion was that there would be a fundamental reorganization in our socio-economic uh, uh, organization, there would be a phase change, a phase transformation. And I called the arrival, if not uh, the endpoint, of this network society. So uh, today I want to uh, share a presentation with you. And I, of course, uh, welcome uh, all your questions as, uh, as usual. I already see something appearing in the in the comments. Let me take a look there as well. Uh, Krishna Das uh, says hi, and hi to you, Krishna Das, and I as well. I want to talk to you about uh, socio-economic uh, evolution based on this framework, and give you, I hope important examples of why the path that we are going towards is unstoppable and relentless. And it is really for us to nudge and to steer uh, our direction in a manner so that the places where we end up are going to be places that, that we like. The paradigm of 
is it by something that all of you are familiar with. By definition, you wouldn't be seeing this live stream if you were not. Uh, our computers, our smartphones, the nodes of the Internet of Things improve their capacity year after year. Over 50 years ago, Gordon Moore established the progression that uh, took his name, Moore's Law. It is not like Newton's Law, uh, because there is nothing um, that, that says that it will keep going, except the passion and the ability of thousands of engineers around the world who work very hard to make it come true. And Moore's Law simply says that our ability to um, fit transistors on a given area will double every couple of years. We will be able to fit twice as many transistors on the same area as before. And this simple observation led to the world that we see around us. Even though technology has been shaping the world since the birth of civilization, we have been dreaming what kind of society we can create and is the society that we are living in today the best that we can achieve? Certainly, there were people in the time of the pharaohs who thought that the best would come after they died. That is why they dedicated so much energy to building the pyramids in order to uh, make sure that they would be welcome in the afterworld. And since so much of what was achieved and what was achievable um, thousands of years ago was based on slavery, it wasn't too uh, much of a stretch to actually believe and to feel that uh, the life that you were living was really bad. If we were together and a couple of thousand years ago uh, you were looking at me as I was building the Colosseum in Rome, you could have asked me if I believed that my condition was just. And uh, I would have told you that uh, it, uh, it wasn't. Um, that uh, I lived a very, very bad life. But also, if you continued the interrogation, I would have confirmed that I see no alternative. I don't believe there is a possibility of uh, creating something that is not uh, the way that we organize the society at the time. And the reason for that is because technology didn't make it possible. But things evolved and it took quite a some time, but we were able to change things to the point where we not only um, made slavery illegal 
all over the world. But we went beyond. We said, is it really the right thing to do to have children work in uh, mines like you see in the this photo from merely 150 years ago uh, where carbon mines in the UK had uh, child labor? Uh, it was possible to decide that we could change society like this thanks to technology because we changed society with technology. And we are still doing that. Today's internet embracing all the world is allowing us to dream even bigger. And these dreams are exhilarating. We understand that the world is very complex. And as we are trying to see what really works for us, what examples we can um, inherit from other societies, their best practices, we are evolving our society towards better and better solutions, creating resilient applications of the technologies that must support our dreams. Uh, the real limit is not what we can dream. The real limit is what we assume upon ourselves, what we believe that we cannot achieve because we don't believe in what we can achieve. So if you step out from these self-imposed cages of old type thinking and you look at what is possible, you realize that the very organization of society could change. Even though uh, whether you are a pharaoh or uh, the CEO of a large organization, you are the elected um, uh, head of state of a, of a modern nation state, you feel that um, it is perfectly right to be on top of a huge hierarchical structure, the alternative of a decentralized network that distributes decision-making and that uh, allocates resources in a different governance system than not what we are accustomed uh, to, to seeing uh, is actually possible. The fundamental thesis of the network society that I formulated uh, many years ago says exactly this. Let me read it out to you. It says that widespread social and economic change only happens once a solid technological foundation evolves to make it sustainable. And then it proceeds to state that there is a new wave of globally distributed and decentralized technologies. And these emerged achieving superior results with respect to the centralized and hierarchical alternatives that existed before. And finally, 
that these changes are going to be unstoppable and they will undermine and disrupt the nation state's supporting pillars. And that is the resulting socioeconomic organization that comes after that I call network society. So in order to further analyze and understand this, I created uh, a London-based think tank that today has ambassadors in uh, over uh, 30 countries. Uh, you can go and visit the website uh, in order to get acquainted uh, both uh, with the manifesto that uh, has been translated in uh, many uh, languages and if you uh, see a language that is apparently missing, uh, feel free to volunteer to translate it in uh, your native language as well. Uh, and uh, the uh, fact that what I'm saying is not a pipe dream, but is already happening, is something that I want to illustrate uh, with very, very concrete examples. Uh, Iqbal Asim, in the meantime, says that uh, he has 12 years of experience in the banking industry as a systems analyst, and uh, he uh, feels uh, that uh, the message I'm giving uh, is, is real. Thank you very much. So look at, for example, solar energy. It is a decentralized source that is becoming cheaper and cheaper every day. It enables communities, uh, businesses, shopping centers, even entire cities with a large enough installation to be energy independent and then to associate forming smart grids in order to balance demand and supply uh, very flexibly. Of course, we are now putting together solar energy generation with battery storage. And we are using electric cars in order to uh, include transformation and transportation uh, in the equation. Think about digital manufacturing, the ability to design a product that is realized very soon after, but you don't need to produce a million. And if you can improve it the week after, new units can be 3D printed, for example, with improved characteristics. Often this kind of design and this kind of manufacturing is coupled with open source approaches where the designs are shared among people who are able to improve them both because of their own ingenuity but also because of the feedback that they receive from the uh, users of those particular products. Think about hydroponics, which radically diminishes uh, the use of water and soil, which uses the solar radiation uh, transformed in electricity and at very high efficiency uh, 
then via LED lighting provides uh, the lighting that a particular crop needs in order to grow healthily, but also interestingly is able to transform an activity that traditionally occupies a lot of our land and that has encroached on nature all over the world in a three-dimensional activity that makes it much more able to um, produce the quantity we need with a very, very small, a very much reduced uh, uh, footprint on the planet. And of course, in terms of 3D printing, we are now also able to produce synthetic meat, animal proteins that have been created in order to uh, arrive to hamburgers and uh, in the near future also we are going to have other uh, physical forms of uh, these uh, products that are meat but they are without animal suffering they are grown and reproduced without having um, had to use the kind of industrial animal husbandry that also creates animal suffering and it is uh, the cause of a lot of uh, greenhouse gas emissions that cause the climate change we are all aware of personalized health where via variables via apps websites and platforms and communities allowing people who share certain rare conditions to meet we are able to accelerate our understanding of our own condition and help others improve their own and we are empowered to use this in order to reach a state of well-being that doesn't keep us in a convenient um, state of, of sickness where uh, whether opioids, uh, whether uh, other kinds of uh, um, pills that uh, we are prescribed to keep uh, taking uh, lifelong are very strongly influencing uh, our our life and, and, and how we can live. Many of these opportunities depend on our ability to learn. And really, peer-to-peer -peer learning is what we are doing today. I am sharing my understanding of the world with you, and you are um, giving me your attention as well as your comments, your questions, which I, of course, welcome, and the uh, opportunity of learning from you. And whether we are talking about YouTube or Facebook or Wikipedia or blogs that uh, uh, share our opinions with the rest of the world and that get discovered by the search engines, this is a huge and effervescent cauldron of information and knowledge and wisdom and experience 
that we can leverage. The kind of decentralized solutions that I am talking about are also, of course, emerging in finance and our understanding of money. Bitcoin that is over 10 years old is not um, a fad. It is not something that is going to fade away. If anything, it shows a kind of resilience that is vastly superior to the traditional monetary systems that need to be propped up with heroic effort by central banks, whose effort at the same time undermines the value of the same currency that they are trying to support. And of course, the same currency that uh, is imposed on each of you through taxation where you are not allowed but pay your taxes in the monetary unit and the monetary system of choice uh, of the country of your residence or citizenship and today um, the fact that even in the middle of this pandemic even in the middle of the brewing financial crisis that we are seeing uh, popping up, uh, the cash crunch that we are seeing, uh, Bitcoin and blockchain applications in general are not crashing, are not disappearing, is a huge proof and a huge support of their staying power. We, of course, can also organize our life in an understanding of shared trust, of shared purpose, of shared objectives. A good example of this is Airbnb, where there is no need to impose rules with violence. It is possible to impose rules rules with community where the rating system that i will uh, use to give three four five stars to a host and the same the host will do with me as a guest is what keeps the system functioning well and as a matter of fact it works so much better than any police. Did you ever try to call police to say that somebody stole something in your apartment and you don't know who they were and could they help? Yeah, they will take note and they will uh, uh, do their um, duty. But the likelihood of them actually knowing who is the culprit and finding the culprit and returning your objects is very close to zero at least according to my luckily limited experience. But if you are in one of these peer-to-peer -peer security systems, the ability of the system is extremely high of identifying and exposing whoever broke the rules. Now, 
A different and important challenge is in policymaking and the evolution of governance systems themselves. When Winston Churchill quipped 70 years ago that democracy was the worst kind of government except every other kind, he wasn't joking. He was giving us a challenge. And the challenge was to actually come up with a better system. Are we up to that challenge? Are we able to know that the designs that we are testing are going to perform better than democracy, even under extreme stress, even under conditions that, as we can see sometimes even today, are running the risk of turning democracies into di dictatorships. If we are up to that challenge, then certainly there are incredible gains to be made. Because admittedly, democracy is imperfect and wasteful and hard on those minorities, for example, uh, that lost the vote, whose interests may be taken upon by the majority if they are uh, so graceful, but where the rules of democracy give the majority the power of deciding for the minority as well. So as I gave you all these examples, one after the other, exactly because they belong to uh, different industries that are independent from each other and the technologies that these industries employ are going and pointing in the same direction, you can realize and agree with me that this transformation is unstoppable. What we need is a toolbox to not only live, but actually thrive in the forthcoming network society. Because the new organizations that are going to be able to leverage these technologies, both businesses as well as communities, are going to greatly empower and emancipate their members. They are going to be able, through hands-on understanding of the technologies, shared learning uh, among everybody, they are going to be able to give dignity to their members, to their participants, to support communities that are going to exploit the technologies rather than being exploited by the technologies. And the fact that this is already happening is, I think, well illustrated by the uh, bureaucracies whose mandate is to protect through the various regulations, the status quo are not only greatly resistant to these changes, but actually they are in a state of panic. They are a little bit like your immune system. When you are allergic to nuts, 
and you dare to eat one, your immune system will say, are you crazy? Are you trying to eat a nut? I'd rather kill you. I don't care. And that is what is happening with uh, the technologies that are having an impact on the interests of the incumbents that the bureaucracies are sometimes unwittingly, sometimes corruptedly protecting. The state of Hawaii was the laughingstock of the world of renewable energy when a few years ago, exactly because of how successful renewable energy has been, and there was a law that required all the photovoltaic installations to be connected to the national grid, the utility said that they couldn't take any more power. And the solution adopted was a freeze on renewable energy installations. No more renewable energy allowed. Only after a year, they realized that this was crazy and they changed the law and they allowed photovoltaic installations that would not be connected to the grid. Or another example, the personal genetic testing that would tell you silly things about your ancestry or curiosities around uh, um, the probability of your hair color being black or blonde uh, or um, uh, the slant of your eye or your earlobes and other things, in reality, is able to predict in a rather probabilistic manner whether you are exposed to um, certain illnesses that have a strong genetic basis or not. However, a little bit like uh, the Catholic Church and the Pope in Rome, when Martin Luther dared to translate the Bible of the uh, Christian faith into German from Latin, that made it so that anybody could read the Bible and not only the priests. And Rome started to go to war with uh, those who became the Protestants. And there were hundreds of years of war until they agreed to disagree. And the Bible is now translated in many, many languages and anybody can, uh, uh, can read it. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration of the United States, now says, no, all of you are too stupid. This is dangerous knowledge. You shouldn't be allowed. And I am not allowing you to read the sacred text, not of the Bible, of your genetic information. Only the priesthood of physicians and doctors should be allowed to interpret it for you exactly because you are not good enough, you are not smart enough, you shouldn't be allowed, you cannot bear the responsibility. 
Or another example, when Bitcoin uh, started to be visibly successful and it was running the risk of disrupting the existing um, financial system, New York, which is admittedly uh, one of the world capitals of finance, had the opportunity of embracing blockchain and to create legislation that would be welcoming to Bitcoin and blockchain startups. And it took them two years and they created uh, this uh, framework of regulations nicknamed the bit license. And it is a huge piece of work, very, very expensive to comply with. So expensive that it has been estimated that today in New York is cheaper to start a new bank than not to start uh, a startup that wants to create real innovation in Bitcoin and blockchain the way that it was originally envisioned. So basically, New York is saying, yeah, we were the leaders and it was fun and it lasted 100 years. Now we want to give up. Bye-bye financial leadership. We want to pass the baton to Singapore, to Hong Kong, to uh, whatever place wants to take it in our place. Maybe Malta, who a couple of years ago created a framework legislation that is very welcoming to uh, Bitcoin and, and, and blockchain startups. But they are so desperately mistaken. Isn't it true that if all these examples point to an unstoppable change, as I have been telling you, then panicking is useless? You cannot stop it. Why the panic? You should instead open the cages of old type thinking because there are so little barriers to embracing the new. Start at least experimenting. Start understanding what does solar energy mean for your community? How can we create a financial sandbox where we define what are the parameters, what are the limits of understanding how merchants would use Bitcoin, how new kind of financial instruments could be defined on the blockchain, what would it mean to uh, design and settle loans that would be driven by smart contracts. And these are opportunities that are creating, that can create incredible new degrees of freedom. In those environments where the nation state feels secure and powerful enough to allow it. So you can immediately draw the conclusion. Those environments where these technologies are not well known, not popular, or are even discouraged or 
prohibited and repressed are territories of na nation states that are insecure. They are weak. They show strength in order to hide their weakness because otherwise they would allow a greater amount of choice to the end power than the emancipated citizens that are not their subjects, that are individuals who can think by themselves. And those environments create unbounded opportunities where we can conquer space, we can defeat a pandemic, where we can uh, live together in peace, and we were able to uh, really connect uh, with each other. And of course, the disruptions are not easy, especially for the disrupted. Uh, we have uh, uh, Emiliano uh, saying that uh, Apple uh, was able to kill its most important and successful product by launching the next wave. And since then, they have been doing this over and over, but it is not common. It is not common to be able to disrupt oneself. Except if unstoppable forces are driving transformations in the world around us, then the disruption is going to come anyway. If you are not disrupting yourself, somebody else will disrupt you. And that is true not only for individuals or for businesses, it is true for countries as well. Now, I would like to point you to a series of uh, uh, platforms where you can follow uh, Network Society if you like uh, uh, what you hear. Uh, the Network Society project, since <coughs> the original name uh, was that, this is the origin of the various handles on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and elsewhere as well. And uh, as I was uh, mentioning uh, a few moments ago, you can find Network Society on netsoc.org, where you can also read uh, the uh, Network Society manifesto and the fundamental thesis of Network Society, uh, both of which I wrote uh, a few years ago. In the episodes that uh, uh, will follow of uh, searching for the question live, we will go back uh, to this in order to get deeper in each of the pillars that were mentioned. And we will mention many, many other things, and there will be a lot of opportunity for each of you to participate in different ways. Uh, I want to uh, invite you uh, if you follow and you like uh, searching for the question, uh, to join uh, my Discord server uh, in order to talk about 
these themes uh, in a community that uh, that is forming. Uh, and uh, bit.ly slash David Orban dash Discord is the URL uh, for that. Now, of course, as the episodes of uh, Searching for the Question live accumulate, you may want to look back to previous episodes, and you can do that um, going to bit.ly slash Searching for the Question live as the sftql playlist and this will bring you to YouTube. Uh, and uh, you are also welcome to sign up to my newsletter, bit.ly slash David Orban dash newsletter dash sign up, so that I can inform you via email of the things that are happening in, in our world. And finally, if you like uh, this live show, you are also welcome to become a supporter on Patreon so that together with my team, I can keep producing it, improving it, and uh, also keep experimenting with the various technologies that uh, I employ. Um, and as I learn together with you, uh, what are the best practices with which we can share technologies, share practices, but most of all, share our own learning. Teach it, share it, make mistakes, and improve it. So thank you very much. Uh, tomorrow, uh, if you have become accustomed uh, to um, seeing uh, this show uh, at uh, uh, the, the time of today as well, starting at 7 p.m. Central European time, 1 p.m., New York time and uh, uh, 10 a.m. California time, tomorrow is going to be an exception because I really wanted to accommodate uh, the uh, request of a dear and a wonderful guest, uh, Howard Bloom, who is going to be with us uh, to uh, talk about his incredible journey uh, as a person uh, the episode is already scheduled, so whether you are looking at us uh, right now on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, on uh, Twitter, or on Twitch, you uh, will be able to see the scheduling for tomorrow's episode that I repeat will start not at the time we are accustomed to, but will start three hours later. So I hope to see you there. And I am looking forward to continue this journey uh, with you. <laughs>